a rookie anymore, Jim, so I can't blame that on you. So it's it's if anything happens, it's all on me. You know, uh, that's uh, all right, Jay. We'll, we'll 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 share it together. We'll share the blame together. Okay, buddy. Uh, you know, this is kind of like a bittersweet. Uh, first of all, uh, congratulations to Coach Barnes and the Lady Cats. Uh, that was a ball game as one of the best basketball games I've seen in college in my lifetime, and I've seen a few of them. The last one that I got so excited about was, I think, in 1997 when the uh, men's uh, basketballs won it, and uh, that's going to be one heck of a game uh, Sunday afternoon between Stanford and the University of Arizona. I... I don't know how much more my heart will take. I, I'm good up to about two minutes left in the game, and then I need to go find something to do because I'll swear I am just beyond repair at that point. But um, that's that's the good part of the weekend, and it is Easter weekend. Happy Easter. And uh, But then on the sad point, last week after the show, uh, around 2.30 in the afternoon, I understand, uh, there was a slight tragedy with Brian Fuller's family. Vern Fuller, his dad, passed away uh, suddenly. And so Brian is out. Uh, my, he, he's out. Um, and my condolences and prayers go out to the Fuller family. Uh, that was devastating to Brian. Uh, and I just I can't, I can't do anything but just I'm sorry for his loss. Uh, and my condolences to the in, entire family. I did know Vern. I did know his uh, Brian's mom. I do know Brian. I do know his kids. Uh, so it's, it's, it was kind of a shock. And, um, you know, um, that's all I can say. All right. Let's yeah, get wish, on to the show now. I wish to express now. my condolences as well, Jerry. That, that was horrible. That was horrible news. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, now we have. Uh, let me get back on. Get my man, mind back to what we're supposed to be doing this for. You're supposed to be bailing me out about right now, okay? <laughs> um, you know, I've seen a lot. I've, I've covered a lot on electric vehicles, and then I remember that uh, here uh, a couple of years ago, well, maybe four or five years ago. They were talking about emergencies on with first responders responding to traffic traffic accidents that have electric vehicles involved in them, and there's a special way that you handle these uh, these electric vehicles. Uh, Mr. Jim from uh, uh, Frontier Towing, would you like to expand on that just a little bit? Because I know that you're involved with a lot of cleanup of wrecks and stuff. What is the what is your procedures? What are you required to do now? So, so what usually happens with an electric vehicle depends on the severity of the crash. Um, you know, if it's a slight fender bender um, where where you're pretty sure that no electrical has been compromised, you're in pretty good shape because in the electric vehicle, the heart of the vehicle is the battery, of course, which usually sits center mass of the vehicle. But today, electric vehicles have um, um, cables on them that are for specifically for fire to cut. So if the vehicle is involved in a crash, particularly a, a side impact like a, like a T-bone, they cut the cables and that helps isolate the battery from, from grounding to the rest of the rest of the uh, car. 
see, see, that's the number one thing. But then, and they're lithium, they're, they're plates, they're, they're stacks of plates in there, so they don't really leak a lot, but they short out and they're extremely high voltage. They're, they're three to six hundred volts, and they, they can, they can end you in about two seconds. So, that, you have to be really, really careful with them, um, to make sure that the, they're, they're isolated from all, all the parts so you don't get in contact with them. And then you got to make sure that once they isolate them, that they don't catch on fire. Because, like, the volts were having huge issues with shorting out, and then they would catch on fire because of the extreme voltage. So you got to go. Now, that's the Chevy volt. Yeah, you have to take your time and handle them very carefully. Uh, make sure that, you know, follow all safety procedures to making sure that they, that there's, that you're not going to cause another incident by, by removing this thing off the roadway. So what you're trying to tell me, if you get T-boned or something like that and you're driving electric or is hybrid electric, is is that your big concern also because it has electric motor and all of it's all tied together? Uh, you have the same safety precautions uh, for the hybrids as well as just the straight electric vehicles? Right. Well, the hybrid is the is the car that runs the generator that charges the the electric battery, versus the electric vehicle is the just runs on the electric only. Both of them have the same have similar types of batteries and and situa- and procedures for handling the uh, um, a crash incident. You know, and when it comes down to it, you know, you gotta. There's no foolproof method. You know, sometimes. Right. You're there, and it's either move it or, or get out of the way. So you just get to move it and and go on with life. Get off the road and and then get it to a safe location where you can where you can further deal with it. Because when we get them, we'll we'll isolate them out just to make sure that they're not going to have any other issues. Um, you know, if, if we know that they're if they're live batteries, then we'll we'll cord them off so that you know people stay out of them. Then of course, then somebody who who has the car wants to come and view the car. And then so now now of course you know they've got to dig for their their glasses. We know you know how it is. If you don't have your glasses, you can't see anything. I know that's my case. Or the garage door opener, or whatever's in the car. So now you got to dig through the car to find the to find all your stuff. So you, so now you got to be, be conscientious of somebody wanting to remove belongings in and around a vehicle that's had a compromised electric battery. Like they're pretty rigid and solid. You know they they test them, to make sure that there's. There's not tons of issues, but you know, you gotta just, you gotta you know use a little common sense and say, hey, you know, this is a this is a you know it, it would be equivalent to smoking around a you know a gas can, you know. Okay, well that's really not a smart idea. So let's exercise a few precautions here and make sure that we get to the vehicle where we we exercise some safety precautions and don't and don't uh, you know try and get electrocuted. Okay. Uh, do you have to uh, hold regular classes with your drivers and stuff to uh, educate them on the um, hybrids and electrics, or are they pretty much used to it now? And so they have a well. You got a disconnect, and you got different cables on just about every car coming out, especially year after year after year. Uh, is there special training classes available to you that you can send your guys to to keep that stuff covered so that everybody's working safe? Unfortunately, no. Um, oh, manufacturers do not offer um, 
classes for for tow guys, the, for tow truck drivers. They what they offer right. you is is a YouTube video or a a PDF that says, "Hey, here's what our car is." And so we do read them, we go over them. And there's a you know, there's there's a billion different types of. Not a billion, but there's a lot of different types of electric cars, and they, right. you know, they all have different varying procedures. They're all similar, but yeah, we we go over them and discuss them, and then you know when we basically weekly we discuss, you know, after we've encountered a vehicle, hey, this is what I found out when I was on site with this this customer in this car. This is what this is what I found had to take place, mm-hmm. and then and you do get to talk to the the service guys who, who work on them. So when you go to the dealerships, the, those guys are those guys do do. I'm sorry, those techs actually get factory training. So sometimes it's help really helpful to work with them. Um, but right. you know, Porsche is different than Toyota. Tesla is different than Nissan, so you know no, none of them get to talk. None of them sit down and talk to each other. So you you know just like you, Jerry, you're working on you know various car makes. You know you get sometimes get to you know learn by trial by error. Not not the best way, but mm-hmm. it's effective. <clears throat> yeah, well, you don't want to make the same mistake twice. Let's put it that way. Um, no, you but do not. with the electric vehicles and the way they're coming out now, I just I seen an ad on the new F one fifty, the two thousand twenty two electric pickup, and it started showing up yesterday, and uh, that thing is loaded. That thing looked like a, a electric company, like a Tucson electric vehicle <laughs> that has everything on it. Uh, for construction workers and all that stuff, and I'm a little concerned about the amount of electric ex- accessories that it has on it. Uh, is that going to present a, uh, an additional problem for you when you all go out to get them? Well, no. Nah, what, what it what it does? You're right. There's, you know, you you'd think, you know, this is a port like a portable generating station. Um, what it does right. is it just kills them faster. So so they go dead quicker, and and there you sit. Um, but don't think about those. Think about the tractor trailers that are going to be electric. Uh, Tesla's in, in full steam to, to send, I forget, I think Amazon and um, FedEx have ordered uh, hundreds of fully fully electric semi-trucks. I mean, oh my God. Trucks that will, yeah, well, trucks that will haul 80,000 pounds down the road, and they're, and they're electric batteries and electric electric motors, you know. Electric drive motors that are huge, you know, they're they're you know like those oh, yeah. the ones that drive them um, in the electric plants, two thousand horsepower, and those those are going to be running down the road. Wow. I'm waiting to see those. That's what? the ones I want to get tackle. <laughs> Which one? I want to tackle the tractor trailer that's electric. That's the one I want to get. Oh, okay. Well, I understand that Volvo is working on that too. The Volvo trucks. Well, and, uh, they've been doing research on them for a long time. So yeah, it's, it's, you, you have an option. You go ahead. I was going to say, you know, Jerry, you always talk about you don't want your show to be political, but you know, cars are the most political thing out there, and electric cars are incredibly mm-hmm. political. We wouldn't have electric cars if it weren't for for you know uh, current political environment that want uh, that want that feel the need for electric over over gas. 
Well, as much research that I've done on electric vehicles, just to prep for the show and, uh, well, to prep for the Simmons Car Care Show, um, it's they're going to be around. They they're here. It's like the autonomous vehicle that drives that drives itself. That's here. They're just perfecting everything else. Uh, and from what I understand from research, the problem is not with the autonomous cars. It's one that still have drivers behind the wheels. Uh, and I'm, you know, I will probably never have one of those, one that drives themselves, uh, but I shouldn't say that <laughs> because they've got a lot of good looking little cars that are coming out, uh, like the Mustang E, uh, you know, the electric Mustang. That thing has got, oh my gosh, 506. No, that's, that's the F-150. It's got 560-some foot-pounds of torque, 400-plus horsepower. Uh, that's a lot of power. Now, my question for, the for like, the big 18-wheelers, now I know what kind of driving range are you going to have with a 18-wheeler pulling a, a 40,000 or 80,000 pounds? I, that's a great question. You know, I, nobody knows. I mean, I know they, they think they have it down, but – you know, we, we, you and me, um, that drive cars are so used to pulling into the gas station, spending 1.4 minutes putting gas in our car and we're gone. You know, we're, it's like the, you know, the pit stop. You're not charging, a, you're not charging one of those trucks in 1.4 minutes. It takes, if you take a Tesla to a supercharger, it takes 45 minutes to get a 75% charge. And that's as fast as I can get it. Forty-five minutes—that's a lot of coffee to drink. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're going to meet your attorney, you're probably in trouble. So, um, plan accordingly. But yeah, so how far is it going to go? And and with autonomous, I would imagine I believe the 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 current concept is this. Um, You think FedEx mastered this this program back in you know when they first started. Um, so they would they'll take their freight and bring it to a hub and then they'll they'll sort it and then they'll send it out to another hub and then they'll finally send it to the last mile. Then trucking will do the same thing. They're going to have hubs stationed all over, and the auton- the autonomous electric truck will go from hub to hub, and that's exactly the distance it can go. And then packaging will be resorted, and then that will then those will go to another hub, and then the final mile, what we call the delivery zone, like like the Amazon fulfillment center, gets delivered by a guy in a in a van. That's how they that's how they yeah. I believe that's the current envisioned philosophy. Okay, so well, you so, so you won't be going three thousand miles. You're going to go, you know, two hundred and seventy five miles. You know, if to for your for your delivery, and then that'll be good. That's good for the day. You plug your truck in, and the next morning you start over and go again. Well, that sounds like to me that FedEx and those guys are going to be incurring additional expense just from driving the electric vehicles. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to play out in the long run to the consumer. I mean, of course, I got a pretty good idea, but uh, you know, <laughs> you know, like how, you know how it's going to happen. You're going to pay for it. <laughs> You're going to pay for it. We're going to pay for it. You know that overnight shipping and stuff that's been coming in that we're so spoiled with right now. Uh, you know, of course, we're we're a little more fortunate. We do have the, a lot of distribution warehouses 
in Tucson, Arizona, and there's a couple more being built. So we should be all right. I mean, you should, uh, I mean, they'll be delivering our stuff with a drone or something like that. So we'll be all right. But I was just concerned about it. The, the, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, how many drones do you think you want flying over your head before one of them falls on you? That's my concern. Drones are neat, but I don't really want them carrying my FedEx package over my head and have it. My luck, the thing would drop on me, and I'd be like, doink. Jim, if you live in San Diego, you'd have to worry about the seagulls flying over your head. (laughs) They don't like me. They're scared of me. I'm like a scarecrow, Jerry. I'm sure the drone probably do a little more damage than seagull, but you know, still you have to look up every now and then. Probably, probably. So. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Back to the serious portion of the show now. Seven one nine fourteen ninety. If you'd like to join Jim and I down this, here this morning, please do. Any questions you may have about uh, uh, towing? Uh, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot more stuff involved in towing than I ever knew until I started talking to Mr. Jim Mooney, and uh, I found out that, boy, that is in-depth. I mean, that you run, what, 31 vehicles or 30 vehicles or something out of your shop, Frontier Towing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're their specialty vehicles, like last night. So, for example, I apologize. I'm a little, I'm a little uh, slow this morning. Um I had, we had to go do a border patrol job, and it was uh, it was down on the down on the you know down on the border, down where Sassabi is. You, wow. I don't know if anybody knows where Sassabi is, but it's towards cells and hang a hang a left and go south till you run into the border, and That's so right. you have to those guys run up and down four wheel drive trails, you know, like the stuff you build, Jerry. You know, go over you know ruts oh, yeah. and rocks like rock crawling. So they have issues, you know, and they break stuff. And they had an F one hundred and fifty with an issue, and I had to go out there last night and get it. I got I got done last night at three thirty, or I should say three thirty this morning. I what time I got done? Oh, so you've had your normal fifty cups of coffee since then? <laughs> fifty cups of coffee and, and and an hour and a half. I'm I'm golden. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Well, I'm glad you could be with us this morning. Holy cow. Um, oh, me too. You know, so me I too. can't blame Huh? Me too. I'm glad I can make it up here. Yeah, I'm glad you're I'll be here. good. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be good for a little while. And then, you know, then it's going to catch up to me. So I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to wind up my day early. <laughs> Has the uh, uh, get known to the? This is not political. This is just a happening. Uh, the COVID nineteen. How has that affected your business, or has it? So, uh, well, just oh, you has. answer the question. How how's it affected your business? So so COVID um, affects us like this. There's the, um, there's still people maneuvering cars, but most everybody. So the the current procedure is, you know, um, it's operate remote um you know you basically um you it's touchless pickup either you don't interact with customers so much anymore per se or if you do you're, you're social distancing and wiping the cars down using gloves um masks of course 
And um, but a lot of people are 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 now more along the lines of of um, of um, you know leaving keys. You know, it's a disabled car; it's not going anywhere. You can try, and most right. people are like, tell them, please try harder. If they get it going, they'll save me a they'll save me a, tr- a trip to the repair shop, right? Um, and then there's the you know there's the there's the cars that you know people drive that who are infected with COVID. So now you have to have a car that that has that somebody who has COVID has been in occupying for any given point in time. And how long has it been? You know, has it been five minutes or has it been four days? How you don't know when they got COVID. So now you so now you have to you know question. Hey, has it got COVID? Um, have you have you have you have been in contact with anybody? Uh, the last thing is probably the the most challenging thing is the uh, um, passenger transport. So normally, you know, you your car breaks down and um, you, you know you're standing there by it because well you you and your car hits together and you're you're broke down um, and you want to catch a ride home or to the shop or wherever so that you can talk to the guys. You can talk to Jerry and say, Hey, Jerry, my car broke. What can I do to get it fixed? And he goes, Oh, you know, I can fix it. It's going to take, you know, here, here's what's going to take to fix this. Right. So now it's okay. Well now right. Doing ride sharing is, is an issue. You know, that's a challenging issue. Well, people don't want to do that. So now, so now they have to arrange for other rides or, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to, Nobody, nobody, no, nobody knows. Nobody wants to have you know interact with anybody because it, they don't. You don't know where the, the person was five minutes before or, right. or three days before. So you, so you get to handle those issues. You know how do we how do we handle the passenger transport? You know, do we get them an Uber? Is that is that uh, is that what they want to do? Most likely not. So now they're now your friend and family a, a ride home because at least you you're in contact with a trusted entity. So that's right. challenging. All right. Uh, your guys that you have, of course, you have masks on everybody and your brother, uh, and <laughs> I won't go any further on that. And um, so you just, I, I, I just, it's amazing how C-19 affects different businesses. I mean, you can walk into Simmons 4 before, I'll swear, the front office looked like a hospital room. I've never seen so much plastic since I raised the hood on my Honda, and it, it, it's 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 maintained as just as perfectly safe as anything I've ever seen. I just I didn't know that you could isolate something as well as Wade and that crew over there has isolated it. But uh, it's been very successful. Uh, of course, we do uh, pick up and delivery of customers' cars. We pick them up, we wipe them down, we wear gloves, we do. Steering wheel covers and all of that stuff. Then when we get out, we wipe it down again. And that's just something that we've had to adjust to do. And actually, it's a, it's a pretty good, pretty good thing to do. You get used to actually taking better care of a customer's car based on the fact that it's just stuff that you don't, you really didn't have to worry about. So you didn't worry about it. But now, and it's actually a good practice because, you know, COVID's not the only thing out there that can give you indigestion. You can have the flu and all these other little things just be bopping around. 
And so you have to pay attention. Search and rescue is another one that I've noticed that, uh, of course, you're familiar with search and rescue because you're the frontier towing guy that showed up and helped us uh, do our training and stuff. Um, but they, we, we have to use and have been using PPE, personal protection equipment, ever since I've been in it. I've been in it 33 years. And you see the guys out in the fields, uh, they look like, uh, you know, it depends on what the case is, just like everything. Everything is based on what you find when you get there. But in search and rescue, these guys are prepared to handle just about anything when they get there. So personal protection equipment, I was really surprised that they didn't require the face shields to protect the eyes when it first come out. But uh, later on, I see where your medical professionals are wearing face shields in addition to the mask and all of this. Well, I got a text message yesterday. My daughter, who is a nurse practitioner that works in a hospital up in Pocatello, Idaho, um, she had COVID. And she was complaining, oh, my goodness gracious, alive. She's tested for COVID. She said the hospital is as busy as they can be with all the retired people in for the winter time and, you know, the way the hospitals run. But she was complaining. She said, the only symptoms I have is I'm extremely tired, extremely tired. She says it's more annoying than anything else. And she's been working on the front line ever since COVID first showed its ugly face. And uh, so I'm thinking, wow, that's that's pretty good. If you work with patients on a daily basis, and she does a bunch of them, and you work with patients on a daily basis, you uh, you know you you you're you're on the front lines. And so even with all the protection and stuff that she done, and of course they wash their hands about three thousand times a day. So and she still got it. It's a virus. I don't see how you actually. And especially with the molecules on the COVID-19 smaller than what a face mask can catch. So, I, you know, I would, I, I would say, hey, if you're going to wear anything, wear the face shield. It covers from my eyes down to your chin. So, but anyway, that's enough on that crap. Um, <laughs> all right. Now, out on the road, you tow, <clears throat> what do you need? Let's say Jerry goes out on the road and I'm going halfway to Casa Grande and I break down on the side of the road. And I call Frontier Towing and I get that wonderful lady in there on your phones that you have, man, 24 hours. And what do I need to tell them in order for you to find me or come and get me? What, what information do you like to have before you know which vehicle, blah, 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 you know? Come and get me. What what's the procedure there? Well, we, we need everything. You know, we need to know your name and your telephone number, and and more importantly, the most important thing is we know where you're at, and it, that's like the hardest thing on the planet. Um, I'm on I-10. Okay, well, which way are you going? <laughs> I'm going north. Well, I-10 doesn't run north. It runs east and west. So you're going towards Phoenix then, right? Or you're going towards El Paso. You know, you gotta kinda, kinda walk people through the steps. And then, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. you know, um, what kind of car do you have? So, you know, if it's a car, you know, most cars or light trucks are pretty, pretty standard, straightforward. You know, if it's, if it's you, I got my one ton with a, with a, with a horse trailer and I'm loaded with horses. Okay. And that's an important side note. Um, you know, if I got a, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm, if I'm a tractor trailer and I'm loaded with a dozer or if I'm, 
you know, if I'm a if I'm a big van and I have a really tall roof, or if I've got a, I'm on a Class A RV, you know, or I'm a Class C RV, um, or you know, if I'm a motorcycle, it, it you know, the, you, once you establish what what the vehicle is, you, you get you know what to do, um, and then it's it, then it, it's you know, and you can attest to this too, Jerry. Well, what's wrong with it? What happened? And then it's story time. Now, now, yep. I, now, now we start. Well, I, I last week, I went out and I got my, I got my, my, my car started, and I thought I heard something, but then I, I was fine. So then I went to the grocery store, and you, you've heard the stories, right, Jerry? You've heard them like that, where you, mm-hmm. and okay. So did it just stall? <laughs> it, it died, right? Yeah, yeah, it died. Oh, okay, okay, or you know. Well, no, I was driving and I hit the, I hit, I drove, I wasn't paying attention and I, I drove off the road and I hit the the road sign and my front wheel's off. Ah, that's important information. Or, you know what, I'm okay, but it's on its roof. Ah, more important information. So, it's little <laughs> things like that that you really you kind of need to know. So what is your recommendation? Is, let's say Jerry's driving down Interstate 10. I'm going towards Phoenix, and I've got my 2018 Dodge truck, and uh, I break down. What do you recommend that the people do while they're driving to Phoenix on Interstate 10 as far as how am I going to explain to you that I'm sitting at milepost 239 without telling you I'm sitting at milepost 239? Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great that's a great question because that's you know most because most people are driving to Phoenix, you know they've probably driven it ten thousand times, Um, you know, and you know they're listening to the radio or or you know whatever's going on or the kids in the background you know and they're trying to keep them you know at bay. and they, you know, they drive by every single thing, and then they break down, and they and they don't know where they're at. If they just, if if you pay attention, just you know, mentally annotate. Hey, oh, I'm on my way to Phoenix. I drove by the Dairy Queen, you know, at at um, at, you know, in near Picacho, or I drove by the Dairy Queen at, mm-hmm. um, you know, on uh, on uh, I stopped at the Dairy Queen, you know, in Casa Grande. Because there's two, you know. Oh, I'm at the truck stop. Well, which one? There's three or four, you know. Okay, and if you if you by chance get the milepost, it's great. You know, road signs are good. Hey, I'm looking at the sign that says Tucson. You know, 36 miles. Okay, well that's that's a helpful mm-hmm. hint. I, I I have an idea about where you're at. Um, you know, east or west. You know, the direction that you're going is is always helpful. Um, a lot of times people are will will tell you. The one I love in town is is they're they're on Valencia. They'll be on Valencia Road at I ten or I nineteen, but they but they don't know which one it is. Well, that's like six miles. <laughs> you know, I can go down Valencia oh, to I nineteen, and then if you're not there, I got to drive across Valencia over to Valencia and I ten. And um, so it's you know, so which way were you going? Were you going towards Nogales? No, 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 no. I was, I was going, I was going towards Benson. Okay, so you're at Valencian I-10. Well, I think so. I mean, it's, it's just a little thing. Sometimes, if you look on your phone, it can help you. You know, you can kind of, you know, if you do the little zoom out with your, with your phone, you can kind of see where you're at on I-10 in relationship to where you're at. Unfortunately, um, this, you know, this might be a helpful hint too. Unfortunately, Google does not do a really good job at, at, um, 
at putting on um, uh, uh, mile markers on the roads. I'm not sure why. Right. They have some exit markers, but but if you if you zoom down on the interstate, there's no mile marker readings. And and that's kind of that's kind of challenging, you know. If you could look at the thing and you're like, "Hey, I'm between mile marker 236 and 237." Ah, perfect. That'd be great. Um, but there is a there is a program. It's called um, AZ511. I think it's sponsored by uh, one of the insurance companies, State Farm or, or Allstate or something. And it's the ADOT site, and it lists all the roads in Arizona with all the road conditions. So and and it shows you can see the actual you know the ADOT camera footage, right? Um, and, and you can look on, you can look on them and it'll tell you, you know, like if there's construction on, on a roadway, on a section of road, um, that may, you may or may not be on Google, you know, Google's pretty good about it. You know, it'll show you if there's, if there's traffic jams, but it lists all the milepost readings on all the, all the interstates and all the state routes in, in the state of Arizona. So you can kind of go there and look there and see, oh, I'm kind of here. And we use that. Um, to cross-reference where people are in relationship to where we think they are. And that's, right. it's, it's really kind of helpful. I, I ran across it one day and I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. So you can kind of, you can just pop that up real quick and, cause you can look at them, you can look at it, cause it's a regular map, just like Google or MapQuest. And you can kind of, you know, oh, I, okay, I'm looking here. And if you look at the map, you can kind of look at your map on, on you know, on, on Google. And you can look at the map, this map, and you can kind of compare the two and go, yep, I'm right here. You know, it's, it's at least you can hit it within, you know, a mile or so versus, you know, you know um, 50 miles. Well, the other people thing will call that us, I noticed, uh, like when I called in, when my Mustang quit out on uh, Old Spanish Trail, and of course, I know to try to find a, a you know a reference point out there, but I was calling in, and then the lady says, "Okay, says what is your license plate number on your vehicle?" I got a '68 Mustang. That's the only '68 Mustang on <laughs> that I know of sitting out on <laughs> on Old Spanish Trail, and I'm between here and here. And you hang on just a second. I'll get you that license number because. <laughs> If you're out on the freeway, I mean, how many times have you been chasing one vehicle and you'll see two or three other vehicles within the same uh, general area that hasn't called you, and yet you don't have a particular way? You've got a, okay, I've got a white Hyundai, okay, so you're looking for a white Hyundai. Well, there's more than one white Hyundai sold. Uh, do you have another one by just by chance that that thing's out there? Don't you need a like a positive ID, like a, a license plate number? Because a lot of people, you know, if they're like me, they got the patience of zero. And hey, you know, the only reason I'm here is too far to walk the house. And if I can get a ride, I'm going to be gone. The keys will be in this son of a gun. If anybody wants to steal it, if it'll fire, go ahead and take it. But um, I, I look at it like, okay, the more information I give you, the easier it is for you to come and get me. Also, the quicker it is, you're going to be able to come and get me. Uh, yeah, that's true. So, the, the, the license plate question is 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 more more for parking lot. You know, the mall, okay, the mall, uh-huh. park mall. You know, because you're right. You could be. I, I'm right here. I'm right here next to right here next to you know. Uh, um, I don't know whatever whatever restaurants at Tucson. I'm next to the Firestone at Tucson Mall. Well. I mean, you right. know how many you know how many 
parking spots are between by the Firestone and Tucson Mall, or it's like five thousand. <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know who, and you know we don't we don't want people staying out there with your car at the 110 degree heat. I don't want you standing out there waving me down. You know, I'll call you when I get there. Right. Maybe you can go out to the car, but in the meantime, I'm going to be looking for your car, and you might be inside in the air conditioning relaxing, and that's okay. I would much rather have that. You know, if I'd rather spend the five minutes looking for the car versus you, you know, spinning out waiting outside in 110 degree heat trying to flag me down. So, um. So yeah, the, the license plate question is is it, it you know I mean sometimes they they forget like you're right you're on Soldier's Trail you're in Houghton pretty sure we can find you. <laughs> hmm. Well, yeah, I didn't have any problem after when it cooled down the the transmission started to work again. But you'll be happy to know I've had all that fixed since then, so I should be good to go. You know, the air conditioning in the Mustang is working perfect. The conversion we put on it. Is a 134A, and uh, I was driving it the other day, and it was a little warm inside the car. And man, I rolled the windows down, and it was a little warm outside the car. And all of a sudden, it hit me. I don't have to do this. I've got air conditioning in this thing, <laughs> and uh, turned it on. And boy, I'm going to tell you something. That that little interior and that big air conditioning worked like a dream. Just worked like a dream. On the um, uh, when you uh, pick up a car, what is the normal turnaround on, like, if I call uh, if I call you, like out on uh, uh, out in, uh, Old Spanish to say, hey, uh, yes, I, I, blah, 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 this is where I'm at. You're, I'm assuming you're going to find me because I just give you the best instructions anybody will, uh, you know, that I have. And of there's course. no 100%, <laughs> by the way, because when you're out on the road that you're not familiar with, they don't have road signs, very few road signs. Say, so, yeah, I'm at speed nope. limit 45. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little bit, uh, you know, but what's a normal turnaround? What can I expect or what can a consumer expect? I know oh, it's, it's, it takes usually about question. an hour, Dep- depending on, on the on the workload and, and um um, how, how things are progressing. So when, so when we, we, you know, we, we give you an estimated time based on, you know, based on how, what we think our, our completion time is going to be. And of course, mm-hmm. what never fails is uh, you have, you, you know, you're going to complete a job and it's going to be, it's going to be at Broadway and Camino Seco. And I'm like, wow, golf links and golf links and, um, an old Spanish trail or old Spanish trail on Houghton. Yeah, that's that's pretty close. You know, that's a few miles. You know, compared to being at the Audemars, that's that's a pretty close deal. So you you know, oh, I'll have my guy drop there, and then he can just scoot on over, grab grab Jerry right at, right off the old Spanish Trail, and on to his house. Perfect. Well, you know how things go. The customer that you want to drop at Broadway and Camino Seco decides he doesn't want to go to Broadway and Camino Seco anymore. He wants to go up to uh, River and Oracle. And then oh. that puts a. And then you're like, great. So you take the kind of river at Oracle. Now you got to figure out how to get somebody else to where Jerry's at. So now you got to scramble around and 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 recapitulate. And that's the mastery of the of the guy, the, the air traffic controller. We call him. You know, we got the the dispatch guy. He's the air traffic controller. He's controlling the trucks, and he's got all these customers out there, like you know, trying to make sure that no nobody falls off the face of the earth. So he's got to sit there and. and and there's, you know, a thousand different set, software setups you can use, and we use, but, but, and, you know, we're looking at our trucks that are on GPS, so we know where they're at, and 
But not everything transpires as quickly as you think it's going to be. Just like when you're fixing cars, you know, you think, oh, this is going to be so easy. And then, you know, you do one thing and break, you know, I couldn't get the heater hose off because it, it broke the heater core, you know, because it was, you know, because it hadn't been touched in 40 years. And it, and, it, and it was just that way. And it was like, awesome. The five-minute job I thought it was going to be in is now a two-day job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, now, of course, today it's supposed to be 90 degrees. Uh, tomorrow it's supposed to be 93 degrees, so the temperature of the heat is here. All right, out on the freeways, out where you you don't have a shop around the corner like a Simmons or automotive specialist, um, what what is your biggest call of freeway? You know, what what brings you to the freeways to pick up vehicles? Flat tire over other than a crash. Uh, flat tires and overheating. Flat tires and overheating. Uh, any flat recommendations on the flat tires? Uh, I mean, anything that you've seen that might create a pattern that people could have actually prevented? Uh, you know, good question. Um, check tire pressure. You know, tire pressure is usually the number one culprit of, of tire failure. Well, with the exception of old tires, and, and you and I both know tires today are not seem to be have much less wherewithal than older tires. They just they just seem to to fail easier. I don't know if it's is they the way they make them or if it's, that's a built-in obsolescence thing. Um, but yeah, tire pressure seems to be a real huge thing. Um, people don't check it, and and tires um, lose about six pounds of pressure every month uh, just a normal tire the air the oxygen permeates out through the sidewalls of the tire and the nitrogen stays in so they they go flat they go flatter and then you know and you're running on low tire it generates a lot of heat the heat builds up tire blows out and there you are and then of course the the saving grace is that wow, I got this brand new car and they supplied me with a can of fix a flat and an air compressor well, that's not going to do a lot of good with a tire that's that's got the sidewall core out of it. I had never understand that one. You know, what what are they expecting? I have a can of fix a flat and, a, and an air compressor. I mean, did you, have, do you guys actually drive on the roads, or are you, were you just thinking that this was a cheap way out of 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 um, you know having to put a spare tire in a car and some jacks and tools? I mean, seriously, I, I, that must have been a marketing genius, is all I can say. Hey, I can save a bunch of money. We'll just we won't put spare tires in the car anymore. So, um, would you take a car, any of your cars that you drive and go to San Diego without a spare tire based on a can of fix a flat in the back end and cure all? Yeah, no, I, I'd never do that. I'd never do that. <laughs> well, well, I even I recommend, I recommend the people. Tire? <laughs> if you've got a can of fix a flat in the back of the car, you might as well have a bottle of water sitting right beside it because you're going to be there a while. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, the fixer flat. Jug of water. Why can't you just go down to salvage yard and buy another rim and tire and take up that little bit of space in the deck and put that spare tire in there so that you'll have a way to uh, change a tire? You know, I don't see why that would be such an inconvenience to people. They haven't lived an inconvenience until they start blowing tires from here to Yuma. That well, is that's true. And and yeah, what's between here and Yuma? Not not a whole lot of. There's a whole lot of desert, but not a whole lot of anything else. 
That's right. That's right. You can always, you know, find a rattlesnake and say, hey, come here, boy, fix this tire. (laughs) I do do recommend stopping at Dateland and getting the date shake. They are pretty good. Yep. Yep. But, uh, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you you say get the the spare tire, but if all the cars of your model have been manufactured with air pumps and and, and fix a flat, where do you get the spare tire from? You have to get a full-size tire, and that may not fit in the car. I mean, you have to, you'd have to... Buddy, I'm going to tell you something. I'd put it in a darn back seat. I'd put it in a back seat before I'd leave Tucson to go in San Diego with a can of fixer flat. I'd buy well, a tire, I agree. Put, a, put a plastic plastic garbage bag over it and put it in a back seat, but make sure it's got air in it. And, um, I, you know, jack. that's how I, critical I think need a jack. Is. Huh? So you got to have a jack now, so make sure you get a jack. Or at least, or you oh, can yeah. call somebody. Oh, if one? you have a spare tire, you can call somebody and they and like we do them, you know, come out and jack them up. And because a lot of cars don't have equipment anymore, they don't have lug wrenches, they don't have, they don't have uh, jacks anymore. So you jack them up. If you at least if you have a spare, you can get the thing on, and you know now you can make it, you know, to the tire shop, and they can put a new tire on your on your rim, and you're good to go. So. Well, even the vehicles, especially the trucks, I had a '99 Ford truck. You had to have a computer to tell you where all the parts of the jack was (laughs) so that you could find it and then use it on the vehicle. That beat anything I'd ever seen in my life. I highly recommend if you buy a brand-new vehicle, especially a truck, you start looking for that jack, and don't you quit looking for that jack until you found all of the parts it takes to make that jack work. Because sitting on the side of the road with a road temperature 150 degrees is not when you want to go exploring, trying to find out what happened to your jack in this vehicle that you know there's one in there. You just don't know where it went. So, so you're telling that, me that, that in mean, the glove box there, there there is not, but there should be the the flow chart and the map mapping system to where every component for the for the how to change the tire is. Step one: open the hood and get yes. the Get the rod out. Step two, remove the little lock from the back and crank the tire down. I think that you should have instructions in every vehicle because people don't know anymore. They're so doggone hard to find. I mean, when I've got, I know where my jack is on my Dodge Diesel. I knew where that sucker was the morning after I bought the truck. That's how critical I think that is. And as far as a lug wrench, depends on, you know, the lug wrench that I have in there, I have a star wrench now that I put under the seat in the back of the um, seat. You know, of course, you got to get away from all the electric seat heaters and all that stuff. So don't take out your seat heaters with a lug wrench. You know, if you have to leave it laying open in the back floorboard, leave it laying open in the back floorboard. Jesus Christ, it don't take up that much room. But I have tried to break lug nuts loose with those little Mickey Mouse wrenches that they give you to break a lug nut with. Now, hopefully they've got a lot better than what they're used to, but it got to a point where I actually had a breaker bar and a socket that I had already tested and made sure. In fact, I used an impact socket so that in the event that I was using it, I wouldn't break the socket that I was going to be using, the normal socket. I have an impact socket for that thing. And um, that, uh, and with a, because a star wrench, you can break loose. I've been out with guys that tried to, you know, towing horses 
when they'd have a trailer tire go down or a truck tire go down, and they'd have that little factory handed, uh, I don't know, you know, power pliers that they give you to try to take a lug nut off with, and it didn't work. It didn't work at all. One, the when you're pulling 125 pounds of torque on a 99 Ford F250 uh, to try to break a lug nut loose, and uh, it's kind of tight, and you've got a little little old wrench that's got about a 12-inch handle on it, you better have about a 5-foot bar in the back of the truck bed that you can slide over the end of that handle and use it to so you can get some torque to break those things loose. It's not that simple. And I see a lot of people out on the side of the road. They'll pull a spare tire out. Spare tires got uh, cause uh, the little cars. Let's take the donut tire, the little donut tire in the back that you never see or you never check unless you take it in. And some place like Simmons or Automotive Specialties actually go in and make sure you got air in that tire. You pull that son of a gun out. It calls for 65 pounds of air. You've got 30 pounds in it, and this thing is is designed to run no more than 50 miles. You'll be lucky to get 25 out of it if you've got 30 pounds in that little spare. So it's just going to come apart. Yeah, they're always flat. You're absolutely right. It's you have to make a conscious effort to check the tire, the the spare tire air pressure. Um, We get them, we'll change them, you know, and it's flat. And you know, and then it's yep. like, okay, so now, now what do we? Do? Now we're gonna, now we have to change the tire, and now we're gonna tow the car. We should have just towed it to begin with, and we'd be, you know, and you'd be at the, we'd be at the tire shop already. But uh, yeah, that 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 flat spare tire, that's, I mean, unless it was solid, there, there nobody ever checks them. I mean, I know you guys do, but I mean, it's it's very rare that the motoring public checks a spare tire. So uh, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, I'll admit, I, you know, I, I don't check mine all the time. I mean, when I, I check it when I change the oil, you know, so that's, you know, that's, that's probably at least, at least a little bit, but, you know, I should check it more often because, you know, of course, if I break down, I, I throw the keys under it and <laughs> say, hey, go pick up my car. But I have a little bit better advantage than somebody else does, so. Sure you do. Well, I have the same <laughs> advantage you do because I keep that, I know that 748-1100. I know that number. And for the ones of you that don't, that's Frontier Towing's number, 748-1100. Anybody has been listening to the show for more than, you know, 30 days know that 748-1100. Write the number down. The other thing you want to do is write your insurance number down on the same piece of paper you have with Frontier Towing. And then you can make a call to insurance. You can call Frontier Towing. Frontier Towing will pick it up, take it to wherever you want to take it, or they'll take it over to the storage at Frontier Towing, and it will be handled. But you need a number because when you have an accident, I don't know how many of you out there listening to me has ever had an accident on the car, probably nobody. But when you have an accident on the car, if you're, uh, especially my younger years, oh, my gosh, the world come to an end. And, oh, I tore up this car. Oh, my gosh. And then you let your head get away. And then you go to looking for, okay, who do I call? Who, 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 I need, oh, I need to call a tow company. Oh, I got to, oh. And then all this stuff runs through your head. Where am I at? Do I know where I'm at? Uh, Frontier Towing. Oh, 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 oh. What, what's their number? What's their number? And you try to operate that smartphone with a dead battery. Doesn't work. So you just a little preparation goes a long way, and this stuff you can all you can write it down on a little three by five card, 
you know, you can put it on a business card. You can you can have it tattooed on your hand. I don't care. But you need this information because when you have an accident, it's dramatic. You've got all that emotions and stuff. And then here you call Frontier Towing. They've got to separate you. They've got to slow you down in order to get the information from you. So you're going 100 miles an hour. This is uncommon. Uh, oh, oh, oh. And then you're, you know, and here's Simmons. I'm panicking because, oh, I just, I just ripped the fender off. Oh, my goodness gracious alive. Somebody just backed into the side of my vehicle. I can't even move it because it gave the fenders in on the tires. And, but a little preparation. As something as simple as writing down Frontier Cohen's number, writing down, I know you carry an insurance card because you have to. It's the law. And so you've got a crash vehicle that it hit on the right side. It's caved the dash in. And you can't even open the glove box to get Frontier Cohen's number out of there. So you can put it in your wallet. You can put it on the dash someplace to where it's going to be fairly safe in case you get a side impact or a rear impacts. You don't really have to worry about it, except it hurts a little more. But I just, I just think that if people do like we recommend on medical cards, when people are traveling, when you go out and somebody has a heart condition, and this is a, just a scenario, you go out and you're driving, you have a heart condition, all of a sudden you have a heart failure and you hit a, you hit a, uh, go off the side of the road and punch a tree or hit a sign or something like that. Um, if you've got that medical card accessible to EMS when they show up, or if, uh, when you call in, you say, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just a little woozy now. You know, I seen a guy that had diabetes so bad and I witnessed it. He actually drove through the middle of an intersection and hit the sign on the other side, and I was watching him as he come through. So I stopped, and he was a diabetic, and he went in, he blacked out. And But that medical history on your cards, especially for the seniors, if you're traveling across country, you write down your medical history, your med, what your, your medicines you're taking, you put it on a card, you put your doctor's number and name on that card so that if the EMS shows up, they'll have a little bit of way to find out what's going on with you, what you're allergic to, if, if you become unconscious or something like that, then you can you can pass this information on. But if you call in and you talk to Frontier Toe and you talk, talk to the lady, the nice lady, I might add, at the front counter or on the phones, and you try to explain something, and you've had a stroke or something, and you can't talk plain. I mean, I have a problem just because I'm from the South. But if you can't talk plain, uh, this information will be a little bit harder to get, and you're already going to be confused. And if you have that written down, easy, accessible, hopefully you remember to open your wallet. Because EMS, when they get there, they're going to be looking for all the information you possibly have. So write it down, your current medications that you're taking. And if you change medications during a period of time, be sure and write that information down. That's the same way for people going out hiking. Uh, you know, we see it all the time out and um, with search and rescue. And that, that information is invaluable when they're actually trying to treat you out in the field. When EMS shows up or search and rescue gets there, and you've got the paramedics on search and rescue. You've got doc doctors, nurses, and everything else. 
They need this information. The more information you have, the quicker you, they're going to be able to diagnose, the quicker and safer they're going to be able to treat you while you're out there. So there's my little search and rescue tip. And don't take it too lightly. When I fly and go across country, in fact, I'm sitting here right now with the information on my medical in my billfold. So that, is there anything you would like to add to that, Jimbo? Well, yeah, the, what you said is, is a perfectly, a perfect, uh, setup, but you, two minutes. So you should okay. write it down because here's what happens in, in a, an emergency situation. Jerry's absolutely right. It's very upsetting. It's very difficult to handle. So normally the first thing that happens is you call a trusted friend or family member. Now, the trusted friend or family member should have this information already for you so that when they say, hey, I'm in a crash, they say, you know what, I got this. Let, here's, let me pull out this out of my wallet. I've got the phone number. I've got this for you because I'm your backup. Right. That's, that, that's right. the most important thing because everybody, in an emergency situation, people have a very difficult time thinking straight. It's an emergency. You're emotional. You're right. So, but if you call your if you call your stable rock, your your trusted friend, family member, they can help you through this. And if they have the information lined up, it just makes everything go quick. Oh yeah, oh yeah, a lot safer. The results is normally a lot better at that point. Um, we're are- coming up on the top of the hour, Jim. I I apologize. I realize I talked the whole hour. Not. Thank you. Uh, we've got about a minute for the top of the hour, and then we're going to have to take a real quick break here. But uh, on the um, back to the electric vehicles, uh, people doing the electric vehicles, uh, when you do them, make sure that you read that owner's manual cover to cover four times. You read that. Uh, I've already said if you want to get some good rest, read an read an owner's manual. But if you're buying an electric vehicle, you do your homework before you buy that electric vehicle. And then when you get that owner's manual, you read that sucker from cover to cover about four times to make sure that you know what to do. And then when we get back, I'm going to ask uh, for Jim's recommendation on uh, do you stay inside of electric vehicle after it's crashed or do you get your hiney out of there? But that'll be in the next hour, which will start shortly. Right now, Jim, we've got to take a break. 